I actually recited uh, Oh England, My Lion Heart to the class uh, because it just summed up how I was feeling about leaving behind, uh, you know, college and uh, uh, getting my bachelor's degree. I guess I was equating that with a war. I don't know. But, um... <laughs> the war of life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, but yeah, and it was very well received. I have to admit it was uh, and not because I delivered it so well, but because I think everyone related to the words so, so well. And uh, yeah, so it was very much one of my very favorite Kate Bush songs. Welcome to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily Link, and this week we are going to be talking about track five on Kate Bush's second album, Lionheart, called Oh England, My Lionheart. Oh England, my lionheart, I'm in your garden feeding fast in your eyes. So just open, the war is over. The And with me to talk about the song this week is a special guest. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, thank you, Cecily. Uh, Keith DeWeese here. And yeah, I'm so excited. I'm a big time Kate Bush fan, longtime listener of Oh England, My Lionheart. So would you like to know more? <laughs> Indeed, I would. We'd love to know more about how you became a Kate fan. I know we, we and I have kind of talked a little bit about um, how you've been a fan since 1979 and all that, but go ahead and talk about your history with her music and what it means to you. Cool. Yeah. So um, of all places, I was a, a kid in Michigan, um, Detroit, and uh, started getting Kate on my radar in 78, 79, listening to Canadian Broadcasting, um, the, the CBC and uh, would hear Wuthering Heights. I was also an ABBA fan. I didn't mention that to you. Um, I still am. Okay. And um, ABBA's so, good. yeah, ABBA's good. And uh, part of the reason I got into Kate, though, was because of ABBA. I happened to, um, we, my family, we were all ABBA fans. We went off to see them in concert uh, in 1979. When we got home uh, Sunday evening on the Canadian broadcasting uh, channel, CBC, um, they were having a big ABBA extravaganza to kick off their North American tour. And their special guests were, if I remember correctly, Brian Ferry, some Swedish guy, I can't remember, and Kate Bush. And um, it was just my really the first time I saw her. Um, I'd heard her, but hadn't seen her perform. And she sang, wow. And um, I was needless to say wowed by her <laughs> performance um, it was kind of funny because back in those days we used to uh well i i did i didn't i wasn't very sophisticated in my way we would record things and uh i had a cassette recorder up to the tv uh <laughs> recording the abba show because i really wanted to get abba but then there was this kate bush and you can actually hear someone in my family i won't mention who say something kind of disparaging about kate like oh. um, <laughs> yeah i know they couldn't they didn't get her and i to be honest i didn't get her either i was just like though so fascinated um and i still don't get her in a lot of ways uh but that's a that's a good thing i don't ever really want to get her um <laughs> and, uh, so but yeah i saw her and i was just i remember thinking oh my gosh what is that all about because i was starting to get into some other you know music i was in, i was 16 i think mm -hmm. at the time and so my ex my music horizons were expanding beyond just ABBA and um, some more other extreme, uh, like singing women, we'll say. I don't know if that's a 
good way to describe them right now. But you know, like Lenovich and Lena Hagen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've heard them like before. That were hap- yeah. yeah, they were happening, but I could slot them really easily like into punk or you know, new romantic or something. But Kate Bush, I just couldn't slot. And that's what really threw me because she was extreme, but in a different way. And her presentation was just like something so different than I'd ever seen before. And the spinning around and the (laughs) the (laughs) early Kate Bush moves that we're all familiar with now. So it was a big, big night for me in a lot of ways. And uh, then later, um, not long after that, I was able, uh, we used to carry this uh, show in the Detroit area on uh, television called the Kenny Everett video show. And I saw her singing, um, the man with the child in his eyes mm. on there. And that was like, oh my gosh, this is another side of this person, this more subdued and um, not at all like the, the wow uh, person or the Wuthering Heights person that I'd encountered. So she was just getting better to me all the time. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then trying to find her recordings, though, at that time was a real challenge. I mean, oh, and it was, it was really hard, but I just, it happened that, um, that summer, uh, summer, actually, uh, spring, excuse me, of 1980 that now, um, I had a friend who had just gotten back from France and brought back Lionheart, the gatefold Lionheart. And that did it, uh, um, was able to just spend many hours, um, enjoying that record, borrowing that, borrowing that record, and enjoying it, and uh, just go pouring over those lyrics mm-hmm. like hour after hour. And I still, I don't, I haven't opened that gatefold album in so long, but of course, I can still remember the "Oh England, My Lion Heart" lyrics because they were handwritten, and oh. um, just yeah, just thought that was such a lovely touch, and. Um, so, yeah, that's how my Kate Bush uh, fascination started. I eventually got my own Lionheart album, the, my very own, and um, kind of went out of order. I got Lionheart first, then Kick Inside, and those are the two big uh, – oh, and then um, just happened that it was 1980 and was able to get Never Forever later that year. Mm-hmm. So I had a 1980 big Kate Bush year for me, um, and uh, – yeah, so it was just uh, ever since it's it's been a terrific ride, and um, I've never, you know, she's always been my favorite, and I, it's unfortunate I compare so many other singers to her unfairly. Uh, not Tori Amos, I don't do that. I've always seen the difference. Um, so mm-hmm. same you know, here. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're very different. Um, oh yeah, superficial might be certain things, like just because you use the same shade of you know, maybe henna or something, it doesn't mean you're artistically alike. And uh, so I really um, don't go there. But yeah, I, I really haven't um, looked too much further than Kate Bush. But she's also opened a lot of doors for me um, to other artists, too, of course. And I guess I do have something for um, you know, that kind of ethereal voice. Um, I know Kate Bush isn't ethereal really uh i think that's an unfair label for her, but she does have that that voice that can go from one place to another in a blink mm-hmm. of an eye and uh you know with cocteau twins and other bands and so mm-hmm. kind of rambling so i'm going to stop there usually that's a good time when i catch myself rambling it's a good time to stop <laughs> i i loved it but see part of why i wanted to do this podcast is so i could talk to other people and we can just like talk about Kate Bush and nerd about it a little bit. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love it. And I was so pleased when I, I saw your call for, for people <laughs> um, because I was like, I love to talk about Kate Bush. And unfortunately, um, people are very kind in my family and among my friends, but they don't always get it like I do. And mm. they don't always want to talk about her or watch the videos a hundred times. <laughs> and I could really get on that Kate Bush. I mean, when YouTube came along, it was like, oh, my gosh, I can get on the Kate Bush freeway mm. and just stay for hours, you know. Um,
when I first started listening to Lionheart, um, Oh, England was my very favorite song at that time. It kind of fell out of my my top 10 list over time. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, uh, I was a, a literature major in college, and uh, it just meant so much to me. In fact, I remember when I finished my bachelor's degree, I actually, I was in a speech uh, speech class, a, a, what do you call it, a, forensic arts class not mm-hmm. forensic arts what am oh, i saying oh yeah um, yeah yeah I, yeah like like i'm not doing a very good job of speaking right now <laughs> but uh, no i know what you mean it's like a public speaking class put me public speaking yes yeah. there we go let's say mm-hmm. that that sounds great and we had to do something at the end uh, kind of a cap off for the semester mm-hmm. and um i actually recited uh, oh, England, my lion heart to the class, uh, because it just summed up how I was feeling about leaving behind, uh, you know, college and uh, uh, getting my bachelor's degree. I guess I was equating that with a war. I don't know. But, um... <laughs> the war of life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, but yeah, and it was very well received. I have to admit it was uh, and not because I delivered it so well, but because I think everyone related to the words so, so well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it was very much one of my very favorite Kate Bush songs early on. And I still, I like the, uh, I like the video, the Hammersmith mm-hmm. um, version of it. Actually. It's just um, seeing her sing that and then her little, her goggles and her jacket, just uh, I think it's so nice. So. Yeah, and, and it fits the song so well too. Like that, and I mean, she's always been the kind of the kind of singer that she's not playing herself. She's always playing somebody else, and so she's like play, kind of playing dress up, if you will. And and in this one, she's a World War Two fighter pilot, almost like a like a Red Baron or something like that. Actually, that makes it more World War One, but. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, I think you, you touched on a couple of very interesting points and things I've thought about over the years is, you know, there was this, um, and I know that this has been written, so I'm not, again, not saying anything that's uh, you know, brilliant or anything here, but um, I do know that people have compared her to, or that song to like what they called the trench poets, the first world one British mm-hmm. poets. Um, Actually, a, a professor called them the trench poets, and um, you know they'd write those poems. I'm trying to think of a few names. Oh, think, um, there's one I read in book. high school, and I th- it was like Dor- Dolores a decorum est. Yes, yes. yes. I forget I, who wrote who that. I can't, yeah, I should know. I feel bad. Um, but yes, right, exactly. Oh, is that um, is that Thomas Hardy? Oh, Dulce de Cormest by Wilfred Edward Salter Owen. And I remember reading yes, that Wilfred in high school. Oh wow. That's a that's very good. <laughs> yeah, we read it in high school. It was it was it was pretty dark to read in high yeah. school. <laughs> well, and you know, that's interesting you say that because I think that that school or a lot of those those writers then um the British writers, they would go kind of either dark and like those real the reality of war, or they do that romantic kind of, you know, the the heroes on the the fields of Albion kind of thing. So mm-hmm. you'd have that kind of um, those extremes, but yeah, pretty dark for high school, I'll say. Um, yeah, you're right. Like the lyrics of the song very much are like in that vein. It's like I mean, because it's talking about war anyway. It's somebody who it's a fighter pilot who's uh, falling to his death, and these are the last moments before he before his plane hits the hits the ocean, and he's thinking about home. I mean, oh my God, this is so English. Yeah. This song is so Isn't it? English. My goodness, flapping umbrellas, fill the lanes, my London Bridge. Yeah. Peter Pan steals the kids in Kensington Park. Flapping umbrellas, fill the lanes, my London Bridge. Japan. 
and steals the kids in Kensington Park. Probably my favorite line. I love the third verse where she says, um, Give me one kiss and apple blossom. Give me one <gasps> wish and I'd be wassailing in the orchard. My English rose are with my shepherd who will bring me home. It's like, oh my gosh, so beautiful. Give me one kiss and apple blossom. Give me one wish and I'd be wassailing in the orchard. My English rose are with my shepherd. Yes, yes, I, I totally agree. I mean, that's just, that's a killer, a killer line. And now I have to tell you something that yes. I just thought of, and maybe it's because I'm hanging around my family recently, <laughs> and they're, they're some of them are very Roman Catholic, but mm-hmm. it just hit me the other night that Shepherd will bring me home. And I had never thought of that you know, in a, say, a, a, from a, I guess, a Christian perspective or a Roman Catholic perspective, but knowing Kate's background, it suddenly been like, huh, I always thought of just a shepherd with his pan pipes and everything. Mm-hmm. But and now there are like kind of recorders in the song too, kind of like. Flute. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But now, then I thought, I wonder if that could have been one of her, like, just a very, you know, with Kate, Things have all sorts of meanings, so there's. It's hard to say. She has to say, you know, if, if she said yes, it means uh, a shepherd with pan pipes, or it means the shepherd Christ kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but it was just something that struck me the other night that could be taken a couple of different ways. And um, so, yeah, that song and that line is just so lovely. And uh, that's that's another thing that I love about Kate Bush is her her loveliness. Yes. In <laughs> um, her in her lyrics. Yeah, she has such a way with words and like te- like she does a lot of showing rather than telling. Like she's not just going to say, "Oh, I'm a fighter pilot way up in the air and I'm falling to my death." She's going to say like dropped from my black spitfire to my funeral barge and you're just like whoa yeah yeah, man yes yes and you know i it's funny you you mentioned that too because um i always remember for so like you know one of the great bits of fun with kate bush's um records is that you're always going and looking things up and trying to figure out what's the story and I remember for the longest time I just couldn't figure out what a spitfire was and <laughs> just hadn't quite and I remember like with the people that I knew at the time you know who were listening to this we were all a bit clueless like you know what we didn't have wikipedia of course to to go to and um well, Spitfire, I looked this up for this song because I, too, didn't know what it was. Uh, <laughs> it was a British fighter aircraft used by the Royal Air Force and other allied countries before, during, and after World War II. So we know that the protagonist in this song is a British World War II fighter pilot. It was the only British fighter produced continuously during the war, and it continues to be popular with enthusiasts. There are about 54 that remain airworthy, and many more are in exhibitions in aviation museums throughout the world. It was first flown on March 5th, 1936, and was retired in 1961, but only produced between 1938 and 1949. Some fun facts for you. (laughs) I kind of developed now. I, I let me. I'll go off on a couple of theories here. Um, okay, that's cool. That uh, I think, especially knowing like Kate Bush's interest in film, there's film, and it's this is by one of her favorite film directors, Michael Powell, called "A Matter of Life and Death," and it happens to be about a World War II um, British pilot who's been shot down and he's hovering between life and death. And yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant, beautiful film with David Niven. And, um, and I, it, it struck me too. It strikes me too, that in thinking on it, how Kate has this sort of, um, 
you know, there's a person in some kind of vehicle who's experienced something terrible and now thinking about, you know, the, the past, the future, the, the beautiful parts of life, the ugly parts of life, the, mm-hmm. the weirdness, um, as in the ninth wave. And, um, again, I, I sometimes wonder, I'm wondering if she might have at all been influenced by that film, uh, being a Michael Powell press, Pressburger film, um, and thinking, you know, she might've, you know, seen that, but again, well, we don't know. It's just something that has struck me over the years. Um, but yeah, her, her lyrics and that, that work, well, it is, it's poetry. It's just mm-hmm. poetry. And I, I probably, you know, the Rupert Brooks, uh, lovers and, uh, Wilfred Owen lovers. And so I would, um, probably be spinning in their graves. I was comparing it, but uh, I'd say it's just as good as a lot of theirs. <laughs> a lot of theirs I thought was kind of sloppy, you know. There was something I read about O England, My Lionheart, not long ago. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny because it was before I even started talking to you. And um, I was struck by the fact that she, at the time, really liked the song. Because yeah. I, and now she hates she it. Kind of, yeah, yeah. And I, I really think like, oh, she needs to give it, give it more love. <laughs> if she isn't already, you know, uh, because I really think it's... It's it's so special. Um, yeah, and, and again, I was thinking about that too because I had read somewhere too that she had said, "Oh my gosh, the song is terrible." And I actually like literally like two hours ago, before we started mm-hmm. talking, I like scoured the internet like where is this quote? And I actually found I think like where she she actually says she dislikes the song. It was a, a Q magazine from December two, 1993 interview. And they called it Booze, Fags, Blokes, and Me. Oh, I remember that. And yes. she says, um, and later on, it says, uh, like, which of your old songs makes you wince? She says, my God, loads, absolutely loads. Either the lyrics not thought out properly, it's just crap, or the performances weren't well executed. And then somebody, she, he says, uh, as someone who's written a very stirring song about England, Oh, England, My Lionheart, Will You Always Be Happiest Here? And she says, astonished. Do you like that one? That's one of the ones I meant. It makes me just want to die. There's just something about that time. (laughs) It's such an old song. Oh, God, I haven't heard it for so long. Must have been on tour in 1979. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That sums it up right there. Yes. And I must remember that article um, because I can still see the cover of that. She's in black, Mm -hmm. the cover of the magazine. And she's really, you can tell, I, I think maybe she was just cranky around that time a she, bit because well, she had she gone was, through so much yeah she like yeah. her mom died and then she lost yeah, she lost yeah. al palmer and all that yeah yeah so i i i hope that maybe if she, she would give it another a ch- another chance actually i would I so love too. if kate would go back and do some of her really early stuff redo those songs like she did with director's cut and maybe even some of those demos where, um, did oh, I just think, oh, aren't they fast? Aren't they just like killer? I mean. Like, yeah, like some of them, like Frightened Eyes, for example, is one of my favorite, favorite songs of hers oh, ever. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's funny because actually just a couple of days ago, I was talking with, um, I was talking with somebody for, um, for the full house episode and we actually talked extensively about Frightened Eyes and like it's kind of its parallels with um it's parallels with full house and like the whole like looking outside and seeing that everybody's all got kind of crazy and i yes. love frightened eyes i wish that that one had uh, been flushed out that one yes, and i like I, where are the lion hearts and oh there's yes, a couple others yeah. yes oh. destiny took me in my arms and told me Climbing up the adders to slide. 
I, I, there's some of that that I think is a little meandering, and but I always just love it anyway when she meanders because, or if she, she does have the clunky line every now and then because I actually feel like I'm being part of some, especially in the demos, being part of somebody's process where you can see. And I, I'm thinking too. I, I almost feel sometimes with that, uh, where are the lion hearts, and then oh England, my lion heart. That there's this, I can almost feel like Kate's working her way through trying to figure out what is a lion heart, you know, what is, is it, uh, because in that demo, it's very much, you know, she's talking about where are all the lion hearts, they've been put in parks apart, and, you know, she has that soldier in Joan of Arc coming in, um, that, that image, and then later, you know, with England becomes her lion heart, and, mm-hmm. This uh, it represents courageousness, and um, so I just always feel like there's that that kind of working through things. And of course, it's it's I, I love having picked up on her very early on, and have had the ability to follow her and see ch- changes. Now I think also it would be great to just be discovering her now and <laughs> having like just just depth to 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 explore and mm-hmm. um that's it would be another pleasure but uh no you do see how she works through these themes um through her life now too and um oh one of the lines too i'll have to have to say too that just gets me all the time and again you know it, it's you can go overboard sometimes analyzing kate bush and it's again like i'm sure same thing with um Tori Amos and well, so many other artists that are really just great. You know, you just you can pull them apart in so many different ways and come up with your theories and so on. But um, one of the lines I love is about the ravens in the tower. You know, um, mm-hmm. and, our thumping hearts hold the ravens in and keep the tower from tumbling. That old river Exactly, exactly. And to me, I, I remember like how confounding that was uh, as a line. And I had been to the Tower of London even before I'd heard that song, but I didn't know, you know I was it's kind of a quick, as many sights as you can see in one day kind mm-hmm. of thing. <laughs> and didn't know about the story about the ravens at the Tower of London and what the significance of that was. But, um, and I don't know, do you, would you, do you want me to explain that? Actually, you, yes, because I'm looking here at the lyrics. Okay. I Googled the lyrics to look at it. And I obviously I know the tower. She's talking about the Tower of London. But yeah. mm-hmm. I have always wondered about that line. So do tell. I'm curious. Okay. Yeah. So that line has to do with the fact that you know, there are ravens at the tower, um, pet ravens, and this notion, and I don't know really where or what time period it stems from, that should the ravens uh, ever leave the Tower of London, then um, the tower will, will crumble. And it gets a bit more complex because I guess during the Second World War, um, the, I think... All of the ravens, except for one, if I, I don't even know where I'm getting this from. It's from, I'm really pulling this from way back in my mind. All of the ravens were killed except for one. And he had a weird name. We can look it up later. But um, <laughs> luckily that one raven lived and Britain survived because it's not just the tower that would crumble. It would be the whole monarchy. It would be the whole country. And um, oh. so... I, I just love that. And I love how it's the thumping hearts. Our thumping hearts are are excited, are are maybe nervous, anxious filled hearts, anxiety filled hearts are thumping and you know, we have to keep those those ravens and then those things we love about our country um 
together and not let them fall. But what I, I think is very interesting in all that too is there is, and Kate would have seen this and maybe made some ties of her own, but we know, you know, the MR James and uh, casting the runes uh, night of the demon had significance to her with mm-hmm. uh, hounds of love. Mm-hmm. And there is a, there's an MR James story um, called a, a warning to the curious and its whole plot is about um, three Anglo-Saxon crowns that are buried in different parts of England. And supposedly if the, the crowns are found or disrupted in their secret burial places, then England will fall. And in the MR James story, uh, I, I believe two of the crowns have been found and there's one left or it, one crown is definitely found. Mm-hmm. And I won't say any more because it's the, the ramifications for the the, um, the narrator and the, the people involved in this story are, are not good. It's a, it's a horror story. But <laughs> again, it was one of those things where I was like, ah, yeah, Kate must have read this at one point. Or, and I do know the BBC used to do those... Um, uh, ghost stories for Christmas. And they did do, I think around 1973, 72 or 73, they did a warning to the curious, um, a dramatization of it. So, and you can see it on YouTube if you want to take a look at that. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it ties back to this whole idea of, you know, something that's so very unique to Britain and mm-hmm. representative Britain. And if we lose it, we have to we have to protect it because if we lose it, we'll all go down. So, just again, so much that you can <laughs> pull apart and, of it, Kate. Bush. And that she says, uh, like that, and she's referencing that. And there's a whole story within just those two lines. There, wow, that is really cool. Yes, yes, it's just uh, if for one so young, you know, it's just oh mm-hmm. my gosh, I was, I was, I was writing poems at that age too but they didn't make any i was trying to do what she was doing but <laughs> couldn't do it <laughs> and um you know just to have that uh that talent is so wonderful um, yeah and uh and certainly you can see i'm sorry yes oh oh no i was just gonna say like um because it's interesting you were bringing up the the story with the ravens do you know what was was sailing is it's like give me one oh, yeah. be wassail, wassail, which is wassailing but i i looks like wassailing <laughs> it's wassailing yes exactly wassailing. Do you know oh yeah is? Yes, I do, actually. Uh, I, I don't know it in terms of uh, like uh, a folklorist would know it or somebody who actually practices wassailing. But um, it's an interesting it's, little ritual. It's like Halloween yes, meets Christmas. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's what my and husband did when I, I'm looking it up and I'm telling him about it. He's like, oh, it's like Christmas meets Halloween. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's kind of like singing lullabies to the apple trees. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I think that's such a wonderful, uh, which reminds me, there's, have you ever seen um, this film, The Wicker Man? Um, oh, it's an that, old. Uh, wasn't that remade with Nicolas Cage or something a couple of years ago? No, nah, don't go there. Don't, oh, okay. don't go there. I won't no, go no. there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, but I have heard see it. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Um, I recommend it highly to anyone who's into to Kate Bush. Um, you'd love it. The original uh, with Christopher Lee and um, it's got some other big name British people in it. Um, but and it has to do with apples and apple orchards. And it's a, a theme that runs through it. I always think of, you know, again, you just with Kate Bush, it's like you, so many things can just be set off. And that line about uh, wassailing and I always think of that old song that we used to sing um, Christmas time you know here we come a wassailing mm-hmm. among the leaves so green you know, I always wonder like among the leaves so green what does this have to do with Christmas why are we singing this now <laughs> uh, and I still I don't think I've 
tried to track the reason down for that, but um, yeah, well, the, uh, um, that's well, such a well. And actually, I kind of like I, I looked up because I was I was curious too because I I know what song you're talking about too. Here we come a wassailing. Apparently, it's um, it's actually something that's celebrated on uh, the twelfth night, which is in oh, early yeah. January, and so in mostly western christianity that's commemorating um the the visit of the magi to uh visiting the baby jesus and then for eastern christians it's actually commemorating the baptism of jesus on both sides of the jordan river i'm looking at my notes here um but (laughs) probably more like we're considering like how she grew up and like the west more the western christian traditions in england it's probably yeah it's commemorating the uh the uh visit of the magi finally making it to uh visit the baby jesus and it's you know wonderful tying that into these kind of pagan rites and, mm-hmm. you know it's uh i love that and i love again she does such a good job well and uh, you know it kind of goes back to what i was saying about how this and oh it's so funny you mentioned it because Great thing about Facebook is you get so many people are posting these pictures and 12th night was suddenly so on my radar the other night um, because of the, the the costumes and the parades, the processions and all the, is it the mummers? Is it the, or the Morse dance, dancers? Yeah. So there was all this, um, you know, f- these festivities going on and I was thinking like, oh gosh, I wish we had more of that over here. Um mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, but um, in, in a way, it's kind of funny, like going back to what I said earlier about that, that line just hitting me about my shepherd, mm-hmm. you know, who will bring me home. And, um, yeah, I, I I think the great thing about Kate, I mean, if Kate Bush uh, was going to be, I think, raised in a religious tradition. It was probably good that she was raised, raised in the Catholic tradition um, and that Anglo, maybe Catholic because of, um, you know, it's just so much, it's it's so rich in its history and so mm-hmm. on and the, the various traditions um, that, uh, you know, a child, I think that, especially one who grows grew up in a house like Kate did, and yeah. had you know an older brother who's a poet and into Yeats and um, the the Celtic dawn and all of that. Um, you know, you just know that it wasn't just Christmas around her happening, or it wasn't just uh, you know uh, a certain time of year. It had more significance, and um, she brings so much of that to bear in the song. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, it's a, you know, it's really, I've heard people say that they want to make it the national anthem, mm-hmm. but I think it could almost be better as a Christmas carol, you know, um, I that, that. Uh, it's, it's not a bad, in fact, it makes me think too. I think, I think she said, and you might have it in your notes or something. I think she once did describe it as being like a madrigal or madrigally. Mm-hmm something like that yeah actually yeah it's this was actually it was i have that quote it's from uh melody maker um she says a lot of people could easily say that the song is sloppy it's very classically done it's only got acoustic instruments on it and it's done almost madrigally you know i dare (sighs) say a lot of people will think that it's just a load of old slush but it's just an area that i think it's good to cover Everything I do is very English, and I think that's one reason I've broken through to a lot of countries. The English vibe is very appealing. And certainly for, you know, me, where I'm like, whoa, it's British, therefore it's exotic to me. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like in Love Actually with the guy that comes to America, and all the American girls are hanging out with him because of his English accent. Yes, it's very appealing <laughs> to us. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow yes yes exactly and it does uh, kind of remind me of I, I was in choir when I was in high school and this song and the way the melody goes and and the arrangement reminds me of a lot of the old folk songs and madrigals that I sang when I was in choir it's just got this like old timey folky feel to it and considering that she grew up listening to a lot of folk music it doesn't surprise me that that kind of rubbed off on her when she was thinking of writing this song 
Yes, exactly. It, it, it makes total sense. And again, it's kind of why I think like, okay, give it some love, come back to it, you know, rethink it because it's, it's this precious little jewel. And, you know, it's very interesting too. I think, um, Lionheart as an album, I, I just, again, it was the first real, um, Kate Bush album that I was able to listen to from beginning to end. And I remember it really did by the, the end of that gong in hammer Whore, um, it really, the, the whole, the album had now. Oh, let me think. Is Hammer Horror the last song mm-hmm. on that album? Yep, it is. Okay, it is. It is. Okay, because I couldn't quite, but I thought it was. Okay, good. Yeah, that that gong at the end of Hammer Horror, but I would always finish listening to that album and feeling a bit like I had just finished reading uh, a, a 19th century Gothic novel or a horror story or something, and it was so much so much darkness in it and so much I couldn't put my finger on and so much unknown and then all the allusions to different stories and folklore and so on that um, for some reason it, it fits to me, but it doesn't at the same time. It's, it's, and maybe it is more because it has that there's to me a, a kind of jazzy vibe to um, or an adult contemporary feel Uh, and I don't say that in a negative way I know that can sometimes be taken as a negative Mm -hmm. but I actually felt like it was a really or I feel that that album was a real like okay maturing um kind of uh work for her or when Mm -hmm. you started to see like a big shift and there's more control even though she's not producing yet it's it's there's more of something going on. And um, yet that song in particular, I feel like it could could have fit in the demos. It could have fit on um, the kick inside, slightly different. You know, it just, whereas some of the other songs I can't, I can only put them on Lionheart, even though they were written years before or they were left off of the kick inside. I think like, yeah, that was probably good. They left that song off or this mm-hmm. one off and, and waited a bit because it might have needed to be more developed or something. But that one seems to still be kind of that bridge to me to, to a younger Kate and um, just really exploring her imagination and mm-hmm. um, just where she could go with it and, and getting into that whole, like, what if um, I was, and of course she does that. She did that quite a bit um, early on. What if I'm Kathy? What if I'm, um, you know, a baby uh, mm-hmm. or mother or whatever. But um, in that case, it, it does seem like one of those themes that what if that she's carried on to me, or through her career, um, to me, it's one song where the themes she's dealing with have carried on um, to later works, and uh, and again to the ninth wave. So. Mm-hmm. She's actually only ever performed this, I believe. For uh, for her tour of life, she didn't perform it on TV or anything else. It was like on tour of life, and it was the first encore, bless her heart, after singing and dancing and being thrown around for almost two hours, and yet she still <laughs> oh. somehow has energy to come out here, come to come out on stage and continue doing her thing. And then after that, she has to do Wuthering Heights. <laughs> The big one, like, yes. <laughs> how did this girl have so well, much energy? Maybe it was the caffeine from all the tea. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all that chocolate that she said she ate back then, just chocolate and tea. Yes, exactly. Um, being a vegetarian. Mm. Uh, I just think it's, yeah, I, and it, it's so well placed in in the whole program because, you know, she does have that true weariness to her at that point and uh she's ready to just not be thrown around for a while uh which you know when you think about uh 
a pilot and a plane. You could come up with all sorts of scenarios involving dancers, um, and not not you know like kite or something, but you know where you could simulate that experience um, in a suitable way, and then with the, the microphone. But instead, she's you know, just sitting there rocking a little bit, and she's got her dancers taking a break, and they're just being. Um, contemplative and she just puts so much into it there and her expressions and there's that one part I know everybody pays attention to is when she her eyes go off because someone in the audience catches her attention or someone is waving and you see her little smile um, it's mm-hmm. just so delightful and I have to say I'll fess up now so my mom my mom she uh, was the one who was kind of disparaging when she saw Kate Bush, Bush on the ABBA show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, for years, I'd listen to that recording and hear my mother go, say, say something like, oh, my gosh, you know, who, who let the cat in or something? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, I forget exactly what she said. But what was interesting is when my mother saw that concert, um, when when she first saw it, she started that's when she started getting Kate and it was that song wow and um strange phenomenon that up until her last days were among my mother's favorites in fact I had to decide is it going to be a uh ABBA song at my mother's memorial or a Kate Bush song at my mother's memorial and I opted with ABBA because I felt more people could probably relate to it but uh yeah it was that song in particular um and she might have been drawing just on her own fact that she had you know come grown up during the second world war and could relate but she she totally loved Kate's approach and um Mm -hmm just thought that was just so special and I still when I watch it I think of my mom mm. and it has nothing to do with my mom or you know there's no mention of mothers in it but I guess you know she's talking about her homeland so yeah, it's kind of is. implicit I do think there is, I'll just maybe close out on this and say that I do think there's probably more between, I know that that people say, well, this has nothing, um, oh, England, my lion heart has nothing to do with where are the lion hearts. I'm not so sure anymore. I used to think that, and I do think there might be more to explore there, but um, Mm -hmm. I'll leave that to somebody else to to try to figure out. uh, Well, I think that she must have an affinity for the word Lionheart because honestly, it's more just, 
It feels mm, less cliched than saying brave, I think. Definitely. And she might have been thinking of um, Richard the Lionheart, part of English history, and she is very English. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's part of why she's drawn to that particular word. And certainly I, I think it's... I think it sounds better than brave too. It's not it, Lionheart is not a word that's used very much. Really no, not. it's not. And we we should use it more, we I think. Should. And <laughs> well, and you know she does say in there in um isn't it Lionheart's tossed at sea? Yeah, Lionheart's in cathedrals, Lionheart's. I I'm getting the words all wrong. It's it's been a while, but <laughs> of where are the lion hearts there's something about i think being tossed at sea mm-hmm. and and there's again on the rocks on the rocks yes. on the rocks exactly yes so again you have that um that you know she's she's getting closer i think to the ninth wave um with these songs even though it doesn't seem like it but um yeah, I just, uh, I think there's more there, but uh, I'm not going to be one of those people who's going to do a PhD dissertation on K-Pops. <laughs> I see so many people doing it nowadays, and it's like it's become a thing now that, you know, you can do, and uh, I'll leave it to other people to to suss out, but mm-hmm. um, I just know I enjoy it, and uh, I, I can go back to that. And, you know, I'll say, too, one thing, as I said um, earlier, I had loved this song earlier in my life really big time and mm-hmm. then kind of fell away from it. But this experience of talking to you um, and thinking about it, I, I so uh, can't wait to just you know, put it on, look at the video, listen to it again. Um, Cause it's been years for me since I've, I've listened to it um, kind of directly, like just put headphones on and listened uh, to that one, one song and just, taking it in but i'm going to do that that's gonna that's how i'm ending my evening tonight so (laughs) well i myself put it on repeat on my iphone like three times (laughs) today listening to it i I should have i should have done something like that too that well i think you can see it doesn't take much to get me in the sphere (laughs) (laughs) well that's part of what and that's part of the spirit of this podcast is like meeting other getting to talk about kate and just like Birding about it really and especially for us fellow american kate fans you know right exactly exactly yeah we, we I, again i just yes yes i want to save some for later too because it's been wonderful um mm-hmm. chatting with you and Indeed, getting to know very another much. i know and, uh, it was so great talking to you too i love talking with other kate fans and i will say without lionheart that it didn't used to be my favorite but in listening to the songs for this podcast and just like doing research for the songs and kind of digging in more and getting to know the songs better, it has gone up significantly in my list of favorite Kate Bush albums. It really has. Like, I feel like I have definitely revisited out this album and I feel I feel like, you know what, this is actually really underrated. And I wish that people yeah. didn't speak so disparagingly of it i really do me too and you know that's that's kind of like my last thought because it's not my favorite now um you know in of all of her work i'm more in of a the dreaming Mm -hmm. or aerial kind of person but i just think it's such a lovely and valuable work i mean i can't i I get irritated too by the the disparaging comments or you know oh it was just slapped together and it's like oh come on Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it might have been done quickly but there was still so much put into it that um you know i just i i i I can't but say good things about it yeah it's got its, its 
quirky things or its issues in certain parts. But to me, the overall is just um, so special. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely, you have to that it's due. So definitely. Okay. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to uh, to talk with me about O England, My Lionheart today. It was a real pleasure talking to you. Yay! Hey, same here, uh, Cecily. Thank you very much, and uh, can't wait to hear the the podcast. So, well, this one's going to be out sometime in April, probably. I'm going to start releasing Lionheart episodes starting in the first Thursday of March, and just like one every week for the next however many weeks. <laughs> oh boy, that's going to be exciting! Excellent, and that that gives plenty of time to for to spread the word um, on my end to people to be listening <laughs> and catch up, get caught up on all of these these podcasts. So this has been great. Thank you. Yes, thank you, and thank you so much. Yay! Yeah, I'll see you right on Facebook. Have a good one. All right, you too. Bye. Thank you. Bye. If you have a favorite Kate Bush song or even a couple of songs that you would love to chat with me about for a future episode, you can email me kbcast at linkmedia.com. That's link with an E. You can find me on Twitter at StrangeKateCast and on Facebook, facebook.com slash katebushpodcast. Also, feel free to email me if there's something about this week's song that we didn't get to. I want to make sure I hear from you guys. Thank you and see everybody next week. What can I say? Some other things that uh, really I just think are so special. One thing I like about Kate Bush um, so much is she just seems like such a decent person. And I, mm-hmm. I know that's projecting and we only know one side of Kate Bush you know, from what we read and all of that. But I've very rarely, I saw her lose her temper once. I actually met her once. Oh, and, you did? Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And she was very generous with me. In fact, um, I have I, I had the pleasure of actually having Kate Bush tell me, oh, please don't weep. <laughs> and oh. I still I was actually <laughs> crying, but I met her. Um, but and this is just at a record signing in New York. But I'd been online for, gosh, like almost 12 hours waiting to see her. Yeah big time geek fan here. And um, mm-hmm. I was pretty tired when I saw her. But when I did see her, she was just so like what I thought Kate Bush would be like. And just so I, I hate using the words like beautiful and everything, because that sounds so, you know, it's objectifying. But she was, there was just this energy that came out of her that struck me. And uh, so yeah, I had a nice little conversation with her. We um Oh, and one thing that I thought was so nice about it is my mother, bless her soul, um, (laughs) insisted for a long time that she had bumped into Kate Bush in an airport. And I said, no, 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 you couldn't have done that. You couldn't have done that. And this would have been around the time that uh, Kate was working with uh, Prince um, uh, Mm -hmm. doing the Red Shoes song. And so I kind of at a point, I just gave my mother the benefit of the doubt. So, okay, well, maybe, you know, Kate came over <laughs> and hung out with Prince in Minnesota or something. Well, I brought this up to, to Kate because and my mother was also called Kate. And um, I knew Kate's mother was ill and my mother was ill. And when it was time for me to get um, something signed, I said, well, would you just say something nice to my mother? I said, I think she would just really appreciate it and she's not well. And um, she asked my mother's name. And I told Kate about this story about bumping into her in the airport. And Kate Bush said, oh, was that your mother? Like that. Oh, my gosh. I'd be like, oh, yeah, totally. I remember that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she didn't even skip a beat. She just said, oh, is that your And she actually wrote um, in a red shoe hello again, Kate, love Kate. And I so treasure that. And, you know, I don't know. She's pulling my leg, of course, because um, (laughs) I 
pretty 98% certain that Kate Bush never went to Minnesota um, and stopped in Detroit along the way. But it's a nice <laughs> you never story. Know. <laughs> you never know. You never know with Kate. That's right. Um, so anyhow, so yeah, so I just, uh, and in that uh, short conversation I had with her, we talked about some other things and she was just so delightful. And um, uh, yeah, I, I can't say enough about her. So that's kind of my, my gushing for, for the moment. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 